This is the third and 30 podcast, a coach's podcast where we believe opportunity is everything. My name is Coach Praveen Manchbrigada, and I'm joined alongside Coach Jason Chaddock. We are so excited to be here today, extremely excited for this episode as, as we've been anticipating it um, for quite a while now. But first things first, Coach Chaddock, how are you doing today? Coach P, I'm good. We are we are experiencing moving day today. Yeah, give us the, an update the, on the uh, you know things going on in Ohio these days, Coach. Well, uh, my my family, the rest of my family, my wife and and my daughter and my my father are making the trip out, and they are they are uh, here. Got in late last night, and we are moving into the rental unit. We're gonna have a rental unit for a couple months while we search for a house. And today is moving day. I got some people coming to help me uh, get all the stuff into this rental. And uh, we are in the midst of football season. We we have can't a say game. the same, Coach. I can't say the same thing. In yeah, a way, maybe we, I can, but not as not as full <laughs> on as you. We have a game. My son, his first game is next Wednesday, and he's he's an eighth grader. And our varsity team, our first game is next Friday. And we are we are in uh, uh, we are officially in a game week preparation. Amazing! So it's it, it's awesome. We're we're fired up as all get out about that. You know, fortunately, there's a there's a, a host of states throughout the country that are getting to experience game week. Mm-hmm. And we have you know at the school we have some volleyball, some golf, cross country that's all getting ready to kick off. Band is getting ready to kick off, and you know something I'm just so excited for. Um, some of these, some of these states that are learning how to, uh, you know, adapt to a COVID environment, and try to make the participation as safe as possible. There's no perfect solution out there, and I don't care which side of the political spectrum you sit on. There's no perfect solution out there, and we're just excited that you know all the athletes, all all the activity participants, and especially these seniors at least get a chance to, to, to try to kick off the season. And, you know, we'll see what happens from there. And that, that's, what, that's what's really got me excited from an athletic and competition standpoint. And then certainly, you know, having, having just spent, you know, four-plus years working for the city of Fort Collins, um, I'm excited for my, my former colleague, the chief of police, to be joining us today. Um, I am I am uh, knowledgeable of his work from an internal standpoint, and yet I'm also a fan of his work from an external standpoint. And I can't wait to get him on on the show today. Uh, Chief of Police Chief Swoboda is going to be a great guest for us. I can't wait to hear what he has to say about leadership because uh, this person has been put in some unique situations over the last couple of years. I, I'm excited to learn, like all of our listeners are. Um, so that that's what's been going on in my world. How are you doing, Coach? You know what? I am doing good. You know, it's uh, we're not having a traditional football season here, but you know the football crazies are working things out to make things happen, and I'm I'm happy to see that. So um, kids are, are still able to play a little bit of football. Um, it's not tackle, but. And I'm excited for that for that thing, and I'm also a baseball coach, and you know that means we we get to play baseball. So um, things are going good, you know. I'm I'm starting up school here tomorrow. Um, you know, it's uh it's an exciting time. I'm I'm I, I'm excited. I like being busy. Um, for a lot of us, it keeps us out of trouble, and it sure does for me. I I love I love keeping myself busy, and um, it's it's an exciting time. You know, my my sister is. 
uh, 30th week of her pregnancy. So, wow. she, you know, we're about to have the, you know, my little niece. Um, you know, their I baby feel like girl. you just told me a week ago she was <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> I know. Time flies. It's kind of incredible um, seeing the process and seeing seeing it all come together. Uh, we just had the baby shower. I mean, just exciting exciting things i haven't seen my dad this happy in years i mean it's it's awesome he's just he's he's just glowing he, with happiness with his you know his why he's happy it's got to, he's got a I'll, new baby girl I'll, I'll tell you why he's happy because this is what i heard from my dad and this is what i heard from my grandma back in the days they love grandkids you know why because the grandkids get to come over have fun they spoil them and then they send the grandkids home to go to sleep while they're all sugar high <laughs> exactly it's the best <laughs> that's you why he's excited you yeah you know you just get to spoil and i think that's the best thing of all but um <laughs> and that's what i'm gonna that's what i plan to do you know i, I plan to spoil her too so yeah. really exciting times over here you know i i uh you know, a lot of people have going through a lot during 2020, and and so have I, and so have you know a lot of people I know. And um, but overall, I can't really complain about the year as a whole. I think uh, been able to accomplish some things, been able to fight through some things, been able to um, adapt and and call audibles and and you know change plays on the fly. And and it's been a a, a learning experience and a great experience. But all in all, I can't be more. Um, excited with how things have progressed as we are almost to September of 2020, where it's been like a, a cra- just just a unforgettable to say the least kind of year. But um, this is the start of our second quarter of the podcast. And check us out social media at Third and Thirty Podcast. Please give us a shout. Um, we love all the support we got in our first five episodes, and now we're on episode six. And I know, like uh, speaking for both Coach Chaddock and I, as he mentioned earlier. Having the chief of police, Jeff Swoboda, on as a guest really opened our eyes and taught us so much. And, and you know, being a successful police chief in these times is is probably a rare thing to hear and from, from our people. And I think when you dive deep into it and you look at some of these communities and towns, you really find these gems. And I, and I can't say enough about what I've read about and learned about from uh, Chief Swoboda. He's been in Fort Collins for about two years now, and maybe a little bit over two years, but he has 10 years of, of chief of police experience and and uh, over 25 years of experience in the police force and law enforcement. So he definitely knows his, his way around leadership and, uh, um, you know, so excited to have you guys listen to the conversation and have him on the show here. And uh, let's dive right into it. Let's waste no more time. Um, it's time to bring on the Chief of Police of Fort Collins, Colorado, Jeff Swoboda. Here on the 3rd and 30 Podcast, we are extremely privileged and pleased to welcome onto the show our guest, Chief of Police of Fort Collins, Colorado, Chief Jeff Swoboda. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We really, really do appreciate you taking the time out. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have a conversation with you all. Um, let's go ahead and dive right in. I know uh, we have a busy schedule ahead of you, so uh, um, you know even even if it is a Friday, it still stays stays busy. Um, I'm sure on your end. Um, but first thing, we just want to give our listeners a, a dive into your journey and what led you to your career path in law enforcement and how you kind of ended up here in Fort Collins as a chief of police. Yeah, so going way back uh, when I was in college, I knew I wanted to get involved with some form of. Uh, law enforcement. I thought was thinking more along the lines of federal, um, kind of the FBI was where my kind of, where I thought I was going to end up in. Um, 
found out that one of the best ways to do that is through local law enforcement. So I got hired with a town called Elgin, Illinois, uh, which is about uh, 45 minutes outside of Chicago and uh, was doing the police stuff there. And it was, I really loved it. I, uh, early on in my career, I got involved in what's called a resident officer program. And the resident officer program is one where the, uh, the city puts you in, in what we call kind of a stressed neighborhood. It could be crime, could be a lot of kids who are unsupervised, could be, you know, could be anything going on, overcrowding issues. So uh, I went into a neighborhood called Mulberry Court and I lived there and I worked there and I got to know the, the neighborhood and was solving problems and really seeing the impact that having a police officer live in a neighborhood can do. And so it really changed me. And so I, uh, I really just loved policing and, uh, you know, the opportunity it presents to, to make a difference in a community. So um, I stayed there and eventually rose up through the ranks and became the chief of police uh, in Elgin. And uh, in 2010 is when I got promoted to there, uh, to Elgin, uh, chief of police. And then in 2018, I had saw the opportunity to, for Fort Collins. I'd been in in uh, Elgin for 26 years and was just looking for a change. was uh, saying, you know, um, I was, had a great career and things were going well, but I wasn't sure I wanted to stay in one area of the country my entire life. Uh, so looked around and uh, talked with a recruiter and learned more about Fort Collins and this opportunity. In June of 2018, I got hired here in Fort Collins as the Fort Collins police chief. So uh, I've been here for a little over two years. Had you ever been to Fort Collins beforehand or been to Colorado? Oh, yeah. I've been to Colorado a couple times. Loved Colorado. And then even before I, uh, you know, put in for this job or accepted it, came out here. Um, one of my first stops was the, I'm a big believer in the Boys and Girls Club. So I came out and uh, met with the Boys and Girls Club and saw what they were doing and the impact they were having. And then, you know, obviously you go into Old Town and drive down, you know, mm -hmm. College Avenue. Boy, it, uh, it doesn't take long to fall in love uh, with Fort Collins and the views of uh, the foothills. I call them mountains. People always correct me. Those are foothills. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm up in the, the mountains because I do go further up, but up in the mountains every weekend. I, I just love it out here. That's awesome. Um, you know, real quickly, take us through for our listeners um, kind of the hierarchy of the Full Cons PD. And maybe it's common amongst a bunch, a bunch of different police departments. But, for example, um, are there multiple police chiefs? Um, how many officers are in your force? Um, and how does that compare uh, across the rest of the country per capita wise. And um, lastly is as COVID kind of affected the occurrence of crime, violence, of a violence, um, excuse me, traffic violations um, since that quarantine began kind of how, how has that been affected through all this? Yeah. So the organization is set up where there's just one police chief who reports to the city manager and the city manager is one of only a few people that the actual mayor and city council hire. So um the way it's set up is, you know, obviously the, the citizens uh, elect the mayor and council. The mayor and council hire a city manager. Uh, and then the city manager, you know, hires the professionals uh, over each of the departments. And so I'm the police chief. I'm the only police chief in Fort Collins. And then I have a deputy police chief and then three assistant chiefs who report right to me and a civilian uh, director of information services, a lot of technology, dispatchers, things like that. And so those are um, the direct reports to me. And then uh, underneath the, the next level down, underneath the assistant chief are lieutenants. And um, there's, uh, I think, 11 lieutenants. And then there's sergeants underneath that. And then police officers. 
And then we have a variety of civilian staff as well, call professional staff, because people in our records department dispatch. Mm-hmm. We have police service officers who are out there if you're involved in a minor crash or um, instances around the city where you don't necessarily need a police officer to come. Um, we have uh, civilian uh, members of our organization. So the um, there's 225 of us uh, sworn police officers and a total about uh, 325 or so uh, total members of the organization. And um, with that, the uh, impact of COVID was, was dramatic. When it first came, um, we weren't really getting many calls for service. We were getting, um, if we did get a call, it was usually pretty serious. Something big was going on. Because uh, as you all know, most people were kind of in their house mm-hmm. and even everyone was just kind of not sure what was going to happen and were taking care of themselves and their families. Uh, and so crime really dropped off and the calls for service really dropped off. All of that is back now. We're back to uh, pre-COVID levels with the amount of calls for service we have, uh, the amount of crime that's going on, things like that. Um, but the roadways and the, you know, what's, you know, um, going on in Fort Collins is similar to what's going on nationally. We are seeing people driving faster. Uh, not as many people on the roadways, so there's more room and more exactly more. Uh, I'm guilty. Yeah, there's a lot of guilty people out there, so we are seeing that our numbers are up, and so um, we are. We have our officers out there doing traffic enforcement, and we have uh, you know radar technology where we don't need to necessarily make traffic stops where we can clock how fast people are going. Because in the end, I'd like to remind people um, we're not getting our budget from the tickets. You know that's old school. You know because mm-hmm. The appearance of that is so negative that we don't just, you know, fund our officers by how many tickets we write. Sure. Um, the goal really is to not write a lot of tickets. We'd love just to educate people and people slow down because in the end, the reason we want people to go slower is because the amount of crashes that occur and the amount of lives that are lost. Unfortunately, you know, we have far too many here, specifically in Fort Collins, um, a lot of young drivers, college town, unfortunately drinking and driving, um, drugs and driving, uh, or just reckless driving from time to time. So the, the real goal is to get people to slow down so that we ultimately don't have as many crashes and then we ultimately don't have as many people lose their lives. So just this week, unfortunately, the young lady in her 20s was uh, a passenger in a car and doing nothing wrong, and somebody crossed the center lane and hit her car, and uh, she died. And so it's, uh, it's affecting everyone. You know, things like drunk driving, drug driving, distracted driving, um, it obviously impacts those people who are getting, you know, causing crashes, but just far too many innocent people losing their lives or getting hurt and, you know, disabled for a long time and held up in the hospital with broken bones. It's, it's, uh, it's something we all have to really do a better job on with the, uh, and not just speed, everybody speeds a little bit here, five over, 10 over, I know that's what we're talking about, but I mean, we see people going, you know, 40 over, 50 over, people on motor oh, wow. going, you know, going, you know, hundred miles an hour down college Avenue. It's mm-hmm. like, it's that kind of stuff that's causing a lot of really bad, uh, bad circumstances to come together and people lose their lives. And a quick lesson that I learned, and I took a traffic class way back when, and going faster really doesn't get you there that much quicker. And I learned that. And so I, you know, ever since I learned that, I, you know, I started thinking about it. It makes total sense. You know, if you've, if you're going a hundred in a, in a 50, I think you're only going to get there eight to 10 minutes quicker. And what's eight to 10 minutes in, in the grand scheme of things. So I'm with you there. Yeah. It's probably just like a lot like football, right? It's not just <laughs> like we say with our, a lot of our tactics, you know, smooth is fast. Yes. <laughs> Very smoothly. You generally can get there quicker versus, you know, herky jerky fast and then slow and then change directions. 
you know where you're going and you get there smoothly, it's it's usually the best route. Let me reiterate that for all of our <laughs> players that listen. Smooth is faster. Let's reiterate that. Not only on the road, on the field yes. as well. <laughs> you know, I got a funny story with that. I remember being a young officer and um, had my FTO, which is a field training officer, in the in the seat right next to me. And uh, we'd get a hot call and there would be a call of something going on, something in progress. And I would just immediately start speaking speeding up. I put my foot on the gas to start going. And he's like, you don't know where you're going yet. What are you? I'm like, I know, but I feel like I need to. And he's like, it may be behind us. Slow down. But they say there's a robbery in progress and my foot was on the gas. I didn't know where I was going, but I was going to go fast. I knew that. So it, uh, it made me realize, yes, just going fast until you know where you're going isn't always a good thing. Now, now, Chief, have you ever had that happen where you just start going really fast, going east, and all of a sudden you found out you had to flip it and go west? Oh, all the time, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, that's great. <laughs> great learning experience. It can be used for other things in life as well. Absolutely. It's like, just don't go fast. Figure out where you want to go. and then <laughs> Pause for a second, like assess, figure out what you got to do, and then, and then go. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's like smoking barbecue. You got to do it slow. <laughs> Slow and steady. Uh, you know, Chief, you know, I've had the privilege of working with you, um, not not just as uh, both, both being employees of the city, but also uh, specifically on a project. And I, I've found you to be an amazing professional to work with. Um, and, and it's not just about uh, being intelligent and well-spoken. It's how you care for others. I feel I should have asked you this question two months ago because I've just transitioned into a new job myself. And I'm two months late asking you this. I should have asked you before, but I want to educate our listeners. You had highlighted, you know, you had been in Elgin for 26 years. It was time to make, you know, a change and you wanted to experience something new. You had highlighted that for us. For a lot of people out there that, that want to move up and or, hey, I've been somewhere for a while. It's time to, for me to move on to a new experience. What are things that you would encourage them to be looking for in that? Because I've learned in my career, chasing money is not the answer. You, you know, chasing money is not what's going to get you there. But what are those specific things you look at when, hey, I either want to move up in the organization I'm in, like you did in Elgin, or, hey, I want to move to Fort Collins now. I'm ready for this new opportunity. What stands out? Yeah, I, I like what you're saying about the money and things. I mean, especially in policing, you're, you're not going to you're not going to get rich at it. So that's one of the things or the position, you know, it's you can have a bigger impact many times by being an officer on the street than you can be in a, you know, a supervisor in the station. So really figuring out what is the next level and, and why do you want that? So mm. when I was got promoted a few times, it really always was about the idea. I can have a greater impact in the community because I'd see things going on and I'd be like, well, why don't we do this? Or why don't we do that? And I realized, you know, if you get, you know, you can offer those suggestions and sometimes they're taken, sometimes they're not, but, when you get promotions, you can then make things happen. And so that was a big part of why I love being a police chief, because we can look at an entire organization and hundreds of people out there trying to do the right thing and trying to make a community better. You can have such an impact. And so for me, it's always been, I've been somebody who wants to spend my time doing something that's going to impact others and actually be able at the end of the day, see some, you know, I get why people are builders because they can step back and look and see what they've built. Hey, wow. You know, that's pretty cool. 
and in policing, it's harder to do that, um, especially with a lot of social service because you're dealing with people and sometimes they fall back and sometimes bad things happen. And so what I've always just been, something that really resonates with me is how can I have the biggest impact in the community and kind of leave a strong legacy of change. And, and so that's a big part of it. And as far as the advice I'd have for people who are starting new jobs in new places, I would say don't take, um, don't take other people's words for what's good and what's bad. Um, spend time figuring it out yourself because as we all know, I mean, I, I can't, well, you don't know this, but you could probably understand you come into an organization. Some people have worked here for 20, 25 years. They've got their beliefs on other people inside the organization or what has been tried and failed and they don't want to go down that road. So if I talk to someone and I just listen to them, they might tell me that, Oh, Joe's lazy. You know, don't, don't count on Joe. He's not a good supervisor or, Oh, that'll never work. The city council, you know, they won't give us the money. And if I just listen to that, then I might not try a lot of things or Joe, I might not put any effort into Joe and Joe might've just had a supervisor who always held him down or he got in a beef at one time, you know, 15 years ago with somebody and, and people still remember that. So I would just say, don't listen to everybody else's um, feelings and perspective on something, take it into account and say, Oh, that's interesting. But make sure you still spend time talking with Joe, still spend time trying to figure out will the council support something and how can we come up with a plan and not just rely on everyone else's, you know, subjective beliefs that that will never happen because we tried that 15 years ago and it didn't happen then. Well, times have changed. Let's try it anyway. So I would just say, um, trust your gut, learn, talk to people. Um, don't come in and, and take other people's uh, feelings and beliefs on something as, as facts. Those are their feelings and beliefs and they're valid. They, they're, they're entitled to them, but it doesn't mean that's going to be my feelings or my beliefs. Mm -hmm. I love it. And I'm experiencing that now is I have everybody's telling me how they feel about every piece of subject matter. And how, how do you work to quiet that noise and be a great listener digesting it, not taking it um, verbatim necessarily and understanding it's a, it's a perspective. Yeah. You know, the, it's funny. I just had this conversation with someone, even when with community issues or, um, everything we're seeing going on around the country or even, you know, politics and seeing, you know, conventions and things. I think the older I get, I realize there's really no right answers in just about anything. Um, there, nobody has a, a patent on what's the right answer, unless you're doing math. In math, there's a right answer. You know what you have to get to. No subjectivity there. you're dealing with there. human beings and you're dealing with social issues or you're dealing with coaching or you're dealing with anything else, there's, there's no really right answers. There's... Um, different people have different perspectives and some people have experiences that, and that helps guide them to say, if I do it this way, I'll probably get the end result that I want. And so you take that into account, but um, we all know that, uh, you know, kind of throwing it back to coaching, there might be a coach who's extremely hard on, a, hard on players and really works them physically. And, and, and some people love that. But if another coach just tries to come in and just, you know, copy that way of doing it, but they don't, feel that way and people sense it's not genuine, you know, they can't do that versus other coaches that I've had who are more touchy feely and try to get in your mind and things like that. But then somebody else tries to copy that and I can tell they're faking it. it. It doesn't help either. So what I've always found is take that perspective, listen, hear about it. Um, you know, I, I say a lot of times the decisions I make are 60, 40, you know, here's the, here's the decision needs to be made you know what, based on my experience, based on information I'm getting, um, I'm going to make this decision. And it's not a no brainer because if it was a no brainer, somebody else would have made the decision. 
And so I'm making this decision now, but I realize there are a lot of people over here who are going to be able to give a pretty good argument of why it's a bad decision or why they think I should go somewhere else. And that's okay. I'm just, a, you know, we just have different perspectives. There's too many people in this world who want to tell everybody else they're wrong. And it's like, you know what? They're not wrong. That's their perspective. That's their feeling. And they're entitled to it. And, you know, so I just, I, I like to hear the different opinions. And sometimes I just kind of laugh. Like I was, I was just at a meeting where we walked a neighborhood and there was an issue and, and the person said, oh, it's going to be tough to solve or we're never going to solve it. This was a problem 10 years ago. And I kind of laugh. I'm like, oh, well, we're going to try it again and we're going to do it. And, and I think if I let that kind of just like resonate with me, like, or I get mad and say, no, we're going to fight it or you're wrong or in his mind, he probably doesn't think we're probably going to be able to solve it. And we might not be able to, but mm-hmm. I think we're going to give it our best shot. We're going to kind of continue having these conversations. So I guess kind of a long answer to your short question. I don't know that I quiet them. I just, I just take it in. I'm like, okay, that person's, you know, that person's been hurt before. That person's been screwed over before. That person's been whatever that's brought them to this point where they've got that perspective. So they're not wrong, but let's go it a different way. And I'm going to still try my best because I'm not going to rely on it's unsolvable because you couldn't solve it 15 years ago. So I, I love hearing the feedback. I love hearing the conversation, but um, I think what's what I think is it can be a good thing for me, but it could also be a bad thing to me. I'm not looking for people to always agree with me. I make this mm-hmm. where people are, I'm sitting in a meeting and they're like bad decision. I'm like, okay, thanks for your input. <laughs> um, and I'm okay with that. I'm not, no, I like, I don't feel I have to convince everyone that I'm right. There are people who are like that. They keep telling you, when they're talking like, and I'm like, no, you're not convincing me. I see it differently. And I think people have to get comfortable with, okay, I see it differently. And if it doesn't impact me, or even if it does impact me, you're the boss, you make those calls someday. If I want to do it differently, I need to become the boss. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, we just need to get very comfortable just having dialogue where we don't agree. That sounds like a conversation I had a week ago at work. I love it. And, and I really appreciate you diving into that because it's it's important in all walks of life to understand to understand that and we're not always going to walk around in consensus on everything and and fully agree, and and that really leads me into my next my next question here is we know Fort Collins is a community that that expects exceptional service for an exceptional community, and. Uh, we also expect equality to all residents. And right now, you know, we're going through some major transition in society. And I want to look and, and learn more about how have you led the police force in this positive way to serve the community in the face of so much social adversity with really relying on training as a key asset during these difficult times? Yeah, a lot there. So I, I would first start to say, um, I think especially when you're in situation like this, that um, first off, everyone's perspective is valid. And um, I used to, I I had somebody once tell me it was a city manager and he would basically say, you don't have to justify your feelings. Your feelings are valid because they're your feelings. Um, You don't have to convince somebody that they're valid. It's just by the spheres that by the mere sense of you feeling a certain way, it's, it should be validated and it should be recognized. Now, and you also need to draw a line that doesn't make it a fact because it just mm-hmm. to the feeling that you have. And so it's valid. Right. And so I think there's a lot that goes into that question because you also have to recognize what's your sphere of influence as well. You know, if you're watching TV, you know, I talk with officers who get you know upset with what they're seeing going on in Portland. And I say, you know, 
I see that too. And I might have a, you know, wow, I wonder why they're not doing this or why are they not doing that? You know, sad. Look at that. That place is burning. Or you just see, you know, the, the young man get pulled out of the car and knocked out and beat up and all that. And you're like, wow, that's sad. But I also know I don't have any control there. So I, I have to be able to recognize like, okay, I feel a certain way that man, that's, that's shouldn't happen that way. I wonder what's going on, all that. And then kind of almost set that aside and say, okay, how do we make sure that doesn't happen here? Or if it did happen here, how could I change it or how could I handle it? You know, when we were having these issues, um, you know, with uh, around the country, you'd see, you know, rioting or looting or fights or, you know, whatever's going on. Um, many times I would talk to people here and there'd be people in front of our police station and they were mad and they would see things on TV. And I'd say, you know what I saw on TV too, got me mad as well. So I get it. You know, that should not have happened. You know, to see a police officer kneel on the neck for nine minutes um, until someone was dead. It's just like, what is going on? You know? So I get it. I get being mad. But also then if you can have a conversation with people, they would say, well, that's why you guys need to ban chokeholds. And it would be like, well, okay, we don't do chokeholds in Fort Collins. So it was a matter of trying to educate people and explain what we are doing. It's not that we're perfect, but everything isn't the same. So it's kind of like police officers need to put certain things in boxes. And we as human beings also need to say, you know, that happened in Minnesota. So now Fort Collins, you need to do this. It's like, well, hold on, slow down. Maybe not. I mean, let's talk about it. I get it. You're angry. I'm angry. You know, I get, you know, so I think um, as you're leading through that, you just need to be many times what I tell people, especially inside the, the organization it's we need to be the calm voices at a time where people are very upset. Um, they're frustrated. Politicians feel they need to do something because otherwise they're going to be seen as, you know, not caring, not wanting to make changes. So sometimes change comes quickly and maybe it's not perfect change. So we need to work through that. But I always, I remind, you know, people I come in contact with is breathe. We're going to be okay. You know, take a breath. Let's go out and let's continue to be models of, of what we want policing to be. And when people say, you need to do this, you need to do that, let's engage that conversation and have that as an opportunity to say, okay, you're right. Um, maybe we, you know, we need to do a little bit better job here or there. But did you also know we do this here and we do this here? And so education, I think, is extremely important. But that's difficult while people are emotional. So mm -hmm. time, you know, especially like the first 30 days um, after the George Floyd case, where I was telling people, we just need to listen. Like sometimes you just need to shut up and listen. Even if people are saying things you disagree with, even if you can factually prove they're wrong, it's not the time when someone's mad to tell them they're wrong. So just listen, <laughs> just sit there and take it and say, we get it. Okay. We hear you. I like to use the example that, um, you know, too often I see police chiefs, someone's mad, they're angry. They're telling you to do something. And you see police chiefs throw out statistics. <laughs> well, did you, here's a stat. Here's a stat. It's like, that's just someone is telling you how they feel. They're talking with their heart and you're coming back with a head argument. You're trying to explain. And I said, when someone's talking with your heart, your answer needs to be a heart or your ear. Like, just listen, just take it in and hear them. And, you know, I'd say, you know, if you go home and your significant other tells you, you know, honey, I feel we're not spending enough time together. Um, you know, I just, you're, you're too busy doing all these other things. We're not doing anything together. And you pull out a chart that says, well, look, on Monday, we spent two hours together. <laughs> we spent four hours. That conversation is probably not going to go over very well. Facts are not going to carry that. <laughs> Someone is telling you how they feel. They're saying, feel this way. And you come back with a fact, bad answer. Your only answer is, oh, really? Well, let's talk about that. What, why do you feel that way? Help me understand that. Was there a certain time? 
And so I think that in policing on a grand scale, that's what we need to do in policing, not come back and show stats that, mm-hmm. you know, people of color actually, you know, we, people are, of color are shot less than white people or, or crime in this. It's like, oh, hold on a second. People are saying, I feel a certain way. Let's listen and not come back and say you're wrong. And so that's what I'm trying to lead by with people. Um, and, just, and then once you get to a place where you can have a dialogue, then facts do, because in the end of the day, facts do matter. The stats do matter. But it's all about timing that discussion. This is the Third and Thirty podcast, and we're here with uh, Police Chief of Fort Collins, Jeff Swoboda. Chief, you know you've so well explained all this, and maybe you'll be reiterating here. But um, you know, you are one of the higher leaders in our community. Um, you know, to me especially, and and. You know, you were just talking about debating and how, you know, we're so far apart sometimes, you know, people can't agree. You know, you say something I don't agree with. I'm just going to shut you off, backlash, or I'm just not going to talk to you. And, and you know, we're, we're definitely living in that time right now. It's very, uh, it seems very tense. It's almost like people have to watch what they say, uh, be on rocks. But, you know, from what I've seen, you know, there was an incident maybe a week or two ago. There was a protest and there was some fights that broke out. And, and there were, I think uh, you spoke on that. And, you know, there were people arrested on both sides. And and I think it was, you know, the way you explained the situation to me. And I haven't found many people during the past three, four, five months that have been able to so eloquently explain, you know, both sides of the, of the situation. You know, we have, you know, we have Black Lives Matter over here and that completely... Um, disagrees to people with uh, backing the blue or blue lives matter, but you find such a great way of bringing those two together, which I believe is is, is what we need to do. And instead of separating the two, and and so um, maybe you spoke on this already, but I think it's important to reiterate. But how how do you so eloquently take both sides that you know in our c- country are, seem so far apart, but be able to bring them together and, and explain to the community um, about how important it is to not be separated and to be to, be together well well, thanks for uh for those words but what i found it and i agree i don't see enough people in leadership that are explaining things and um maybe it's because we we put people in boxes and we're if you if you go if you show just a little bit of this way some people might not be happy and no you're supposed to be over in this corner we're in our corners and you know when the bell rings we we race to our corners and not enough people go out to the middle and say, okay, here, let's let's work through this. What does this look like? And so, um, yeah, I, you know, when we're and we had the fights and, and we were uh, talking about what was going on and people showing up that day looking to get in a fight. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think I don't see enough leaders saying, you know, if you're a peaceful protester, you don't show up with knives, brass knuckles, fireworks, <laughs> wow. uh, bear spray goggles helmets why why i don't see enough leaders saying that that's you're you're showing up with an intent in many ways i mean it doesn't mean i mean some of those were i mean there were weapons that were illegal brass knuckles with a knife attached to them um are is an illegal weapon and so we're showing up but some of that stuff's not illegal but it also diminishes your argument that you're there to be peaceful Mm -hmm. that's not i mean i've seen literally thousands of peaceful protesters in front of our police department at many different uh, events in our old town. I've seen thousands of peaceful protesters, people who want to have their voices heard and amen, let's do that. We don't, let's talk and work through these issues. But if you're showing up with that kind of stuff and you're getting, there's a good chance you're looking to get in a fight on the same token, just because your, your shirt says, you know, I support police. 
But then you go out and you, you pick a fight, you get in a fight with someone, you're acting in a manner that doesn't support the values of police officers. You know, they don't want people going out there getting in fights for them. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not supporting the police because then our officers are out there having to run out there and the, it was 95 degrees, uh, you know, pull people off a pile, make arrests. That's not supporting the police. So I just think that not enough people in leadership are just saying the things that used to be when I started in this job 28 years ago would have been just so, so basic. It's like, well, if I say that, I might alienate people. It's like, okay, well, if you're going to alienate looters, that's okay in my book, you know. Stealing is never right. Walking up and, and punching someone is never right. You know, people should be able to stand on, uh, you know, next to each other. And your, your sign say one thing and my sign say the complete opposite. That's what this country is. In the moment you hit somebody with your sign, now you've crossed the line and you need to be held accountable. And so I'm seeing not enough leaders step up and say those types of things. And I've been saying that constantly is that, you know what, we can all disagree. We can, it's your right to support whatever you want to support and hold your sign and walk and march. Amen. Let's, let's do more of that. Let's continue to, to push, you know, change that we all said that's, you know, this isn't right. I want to further this cause. That's, that's your right here in this country. Um, but once you cross the line or you try to restrict someone else's right to do the exact same thing, you're out of line. And um, your cause is no more important than my cause, no matter what side anybody is on. Um, and I've talked with people from various groups um, in front of the organization in in the end, I really do see more commonality. You know, I remember being at a, a march and somebody turned around and she said, um, she was, she goes, I hope my sign doesn't offend you. And I looked at her sign and it said, end police brutality. And I said, how, I go, I'll hold that. I go, how did, who could be against, that? you know, it's, you know, another one, end police racism. Oh, I'm there. I, I want to end police racism. I mean, it, show me where it's at. Let's talk about it. Let's see where it's manifesting itself. I'm, the, you know, how could that offend me as the police chief? And so um, real quick, I don't want to go too far on this story, but it was really interesting. She said, um, she asked me, this was uh, not too long after uh, George Floyd. And she said, I got a question for you. First of all, she said, I think it's so cool that the chief of police is out here. It was a rally. It was on a lot of things because he saw signs, any police racism, mm-hmm. uh, it was Black Lives Matter. It was, there were different signs. So I don't like to put all people into one camp, say this group was all this, because there were many walks of life, many people that were there. And she said, I got a question for you. If someone's, why would you ever need to kneel on someone's neck when they're handcuffed? And I said, you know, um, many times, or no, she said, why would you ever need to kneel on someone when they're handcuffed? I said, you know, just because someone's handcuffed, um, depending, you know, if they're drunk, if they're on drugs, if they're still mad, whatever's going on, sometimes they still flail away. Um, they hit their own head. They're still restrict, you know, they're still trying to fight a little bit because their feet and everything. Um, so sometimes you still need to restrain someone when they're, you know, even though they're handcuffed. And she said, but on, on the person's neck. And I said, you know, that's a whole nother level. I can't account for that. That I saw that too. And there weren't a whole lot of facts out just the video at that point. And not that there's been any new facts either, but it was, I was basically like, yeah, I saw that too. I can't explain why an officer is kneeling on the neck of a handcuffed guy with multiple officers around. I, I can't explain that. And she's like, well, I got a question for you. Um, if he was standing up, you know, could can you choke someone like that? Cause I hear a lot about chokeholds. And I said, well, you know, some departments have protocols with that. I can tell you in Fort Collins, no, we don't do the choke. We don't choke. We don't choke people. We don't do that. And she said, oh, okay. And then she asked me like one more question. And then afterwards she said, you know, I gotta tell you, uh, thanks for, thanks for answering my questions. I don't know any police officers. I couldn't ask this question. There was nobody I could ask that. And I said, absolutely. 
and she got a greater understanding. She felt better about the um, Fort Collins, the fact that we're a credit, you know, CALEA accreditation, our policies are up to date, how much money we spend on training, our office, the, just the culture. She walked away feeling really good about Fort Collins, still being mad about what she saw on TV, but feeling better about Fort Collins. And so when I tell that story inside the police department, I say, if I wasn't there, if I didn't talk to her, where does she get her information on chokeholds on our protocols? She gets it probably on TV. And depending which station she listens to, she's either going to say, wow, there's big issues of policing. We need to throw everything out. Or, wow, policing is actually okay. There's no issues in policing. You know, because different stations have different, you know, obviously um, feelings toward police or at least how much change needs to occur. And so what I, I continue to tell people is if we just continue to have dialogue and, and explain and talk, then I think we can get to some common understanding because people don't know police. They don't know our protocols. Even this, I appreciate the opportunity today because people wanted these answers and there's not a way in which they can get those answers very easily. So I think we as police officers, me as the police chief, need to continue doing more talking and listening and recognizing we do need to get better. There are things that in policing that we need to do a better job at. And it's not always about just explaining things away. We're fine. We're fine. Or that things are terrible. It's in the middle. There are things we do very well and we should continue. And there are things we probably need to change and listen to our community and continue to work through those. I think that's where we're going to come out of this. If we come out of this um, in a, it, as a positive way of change in you know, new ideas and new ways of thinking, then that's good. If we just yell at each other um, and we go to our corners, we won't, this, we won't come out any better after all of this. Yeah, Chief, I, I think it's so important that you mentioned the dialogue and education thing. And you being out there is huge. Being a, the leader of your police department and, you know, of the community is is huge. And I think we, 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 we're sort of remiss to that because it's hard to go on the Internet and find information. You know, what, 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 what can I believe, what's true and what's not? Even I have that issue. And I think it's important to go out there and find people that are leaders, experts in their fields, and ask questions. And then to have a leader to respond to them with answers and you know a dialogue and just to just to teach more is so important i saw you out there i saw a picture of you um locking arms within in the march and i thought that was such an important picture almost because that is you know in a, in a, like i said before you know you answered that question was so separated and when you put protesters and police together you know what we've seen is is bad on tv and i thought that was so important to see the, the bringing together of the two sides, which is what we need the most. And it starts with dialogue and education. That's why we all want to bring you on as well. We, you know, we could, we could have talked to you and then write a blog about it and then send it out to people. But then that's, that's in our, that has our feelings and our views in it. And maybe that's not what people want to hear. What they want to hear is the actual voice of the, of the community to give them the actual facts, because that's, I think the most I think that's the best way to get information these days. And, I, and I, that's so important to actually get dialogue going. And, um, you know, it's huge for us. That's what we want to do on the show is to educate. And that's why we want to bring leaders on is, you know, we're just we're just a couple of high school coaches. Um, you know, how much can we impact? But if we can bring leaders of their fields in to actually speak on these things, it's so important Um for the educational side of things. I think we all need to get educated more. And even I'm learning just through this conversation so much. Um, so it's I, I see it so important. Now, I'm sure in that situation during the march, and maybe it wasn't necessarily a high stress, but maybe it was, you know, you have to answer a lot of questions maybe you weren't expecting. But, you know, being in a high stress, I'm sure at times, and in a leadership role, 
you know, how, what are your words of wisdom and on how you decompress from that? And how do you handle those high stress situations and stay even keel and make sure you assess, you know, don't press your foot on the pedal and go too fast forward before you have to go back. Um, how do you, um, manage those, uh, situations and also how do you manage your, you know, your work home life balance as well? Yeah. So I think a big part of it, and it, it can be, um, it can be more stressful at times to, to talk with people who disagree with you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a police chief, I could spend my time surrounded by people who um, say, wow, love our police department chief. You're doing a great job. You're awesome. Great. Your officers are awesome. You know, and I could, I can just, just have those people be the people I listen to in, in life is much easier. Um, But to go out and talk with people who disagree with you Mm -hmm. and want answers and, um, maybe there's trust issues, you know, that does become more difficult, becomes more stressful. But I remind our officers all the time, that's exactly who we need to be spending our time talking to and listening to. It's not good enough that 99% of the people love the police department. You know, that 1% has a say. Um, that 1% is just as important as the other 99%. So we at least need to engage and talk and listen. And and I encourage people to actually have a face-to-face conversation. You know, I've been a, I've been a police chief for 10 years now. So I got to tell you, um, trolls on Facebook, on the internet, they have zero effect on me. They really do. Like people can go online and make a comment. You're the worst chief. It's like, you know what? I've been hearing that. That's like saying good morning to me. You know, <laughs> I've had people tell me that since day one as a chief. Um, and so it never in my time made a decision as a police chief where everybody came to me and said, chief, man, you got that one, right? You nailed it. Great job where everyone does it because different people feel differently. And so, like I said before, you just have to be comfortable with that. I see some chiefs who feel such a need to make sure everyone just understands that I'm right. And if I can only talk more, people will get it. No. And so I would encourage people to just come forward. Like I said, uh, just recently and after these fights that occurred, I had people, you know, um, sending me emails and saying, you know, all these things, whatever, you're, you're terrible or whatever, or, you know, you, you messed this one up. And I'd respond. I'm like, let's have coffee. I'll buy. Let's talk. Give me, here's my phone number. Give me a call. And you know what? Nobody calls. Um, <laughs> nobody wants to meet for coffee. It's like, it's much easier to sit in your basement and troll and say these things. And it's a lot easier. So Absolutely. I give a lot of credit. People actually come out of their house and march or talk or go to a rally. It's like, I want to engage them because really motivated you know the person who's just writing a comment sitting in there in their underwear writing comments on facebook i don't have time for that but other people who want to come out and march man let's do it let's let's go let's let's have this discussion and at the end you may disagree but at least you're going to know you know what hopefully you're going to know okay that chief listened to me i i think i think he's got a handle on it i still think he's wrong i think he's doing this wrong and i'm going to say here's this person who's got this perspective that i've never hit you know i've I've never been a black guy driving down the street, getting pulled over by the cops and feel, feel scared. And I could come back and say, well, why are you scared? Cops don't do anything. You know, it's just a cop. You were speeding. Don't feel scared. You know, I just think we need to listen to each other and hear, you know what? I don't have your perspective. I don't have your, your background. So I just need to hear you and say, that's okay. There's not a lot I can do for you right now. Other than just say, thanks for sharing that. Um, I've never thought of it that way. Uh, I've never been in those shoes. And so let's just, let's like at least understand that. And then other people understand, you know, I've never been a police chief where I've had, you know, you've got 350 people inside your building who you need to, you know, make sure you continue to train and work through and motivate and and all those things. And then 
you got various people in the community who you need to, you know, talk to and explain and educate or listen. And so everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Everybody's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, let's cut each other some slack. Let's allow a little bit of a grace for each other, for their perspective, for their lives, for what they've been through. And just, again, recognize nobody's got the right answer. Everybody's trying to figure this thing out called life best day, best way we can day by day. Um, and nobody's got a playbook on this one. This one is uh, you're going to figure it out as you go. And I think if you just lead with your heart, you listen, you talk to people, you come with, hey, I get it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'll listen. I think that goes a long way. And so that's, I think, how I kind of decompress and, and kind of go back to your work-life balance. You know, it's I find joy in actually hearing from people who, disagree, as crazy as that sound, I want to make things better. So if I'm going to make things better, I need to hear from people who don't think things are good. And that's where I kind of get some of my energy from. Because, again, if I want things to get better and everybody's telling me things are good, I, I've got no work to do. I'm, I'm done. Like, okay, you're good. Then I don't what am I doing? But if I'm talking to people who are like, no, you need to do these things. It's like, okay, let's go. How do we do that? What do we do? And where's your piece in it? That's why I love this community. It's not all, what are you going to do, chief? It's, hey, we need to make change. And how can I, what can I do? Where can I go? Where, where do you need me to fill in? That's, I think, where we can really make some great progress. I love that because some of the best athletes almost love playing on the road and hearing the booze. And that's almost for the same because they can get better from it and energize. So I love that you said that because you almost you know learn you enjoy to an extent the the uh you know disagreements but you know when i look at some of the greatest athletes Derek Jeter Kobe Bryant they said i like playing on the road i like getting those boos that energizes me that re- that helps me strive for greatness and uh I-, I love that you said that right there that's 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 awesome and being the chicago guy i got throwing you know michael jordan <laughs> yeah Bill jackson would stack the team against jordan you know and put him on the the beast <laughs> And uh, have them go. And then, you know, also challenging people like Dennis Rodman with, you know, books and talking about Mm -hmm. things and feelings. It's like there's always another hurdle. You can be the best athlete in the world. I don't know what that feels like, but (laughs) you have a mental psyche that you have to get over and things and and feeling about insecurities and better. Everyone's struggling with all these things. So tapping into that and continue to challenge people. I like people when they say, you know, I meet people where they're at and you could be the worst athlete, and I got work with you. But you can be the best athlete, and I still got work with mm-hmm. you. There's Each one of us can hopefully be better tomorrow than we are today, no matter how, where we're starting at today. Absolutely. Chief, one, of the, one thing that stands out to me, and you, you've highlighted this a couple times today, I wrote a blog about this, I think, two weeks ago, about you know what is right. Because when I was in college, I heard that so much. When I was going through my master's program, I heard that so much. I see, you know, I, on Twitter... Uh, Chief, what you were talking about before, they call them keyboard warriors <laughs> on, on Twitter. And when you get the keyboard warriors, they get on there and they just highlight everything. Oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. This is right. This is right. What I see in society today is we have a lot of leaders who are walking around afraid. They're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing. They're afraid that they're going to say something about two causes, but they miss the third cause. So they take ridicule about it. And I want, I want to, to say this very candidly so all of our listeners hear this. What you've highlighted today for us is something called courage. And you've exemplified this as, as the chief of police for the city of Fort Collins, is having the courage to say, I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to be afraid of the conversation either because we need to have dialogue. Dialogue, constructive dialogue, where we challenge 
opinions where we learn, we listen. And as leaders, we have to learn and listen while we understand a community is challenging opinions on things. And I really feel you've demonstrated for us courage, courage of conviction and being a leader and saying, I'm going to take a step back. I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to, you know, put my foot on the gas and go hundred miles an hour East when I really needed to go West. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to have the courage to stand in the middle with the community. Again, stand in the middle with the community and build together. And you've highlighted that for us. We know you didn't just wake up in the morning and discover this. Who are the mentors in your career that have led you to have this mindset and, and be the person you are today? Wow. Um, yeah, first of all, I mean, thank you. You said a lot of very kind things there as, as well. Um, I like history a lot. And um, so I don't know that people can be mentors. In fact, I've got a, um, in fact, right here on my wall, I'm going to grab it here while, we're, while I'm talking. Right here on the wall, I've got a picture here. Um, and I know it's a podcast, so people can't see it. But it's, um, it's called The Prayer at Valley Forge. And um, it's Washington just by himself kneeling and having a prayer. And if you know what happened at Valley Forge and how, how difficult things were then, I just think about, I think throughout history, you know, things have never been always easy. And I just think we, what I've always looked at for leaders um, have been people who've recognized it's going to be tough. It's not going to be popular. Um, I'm going to go through some really crappy times potentially as I'm working through this. But if I really do want change, I, if you want, what's the one thing, if you want comfort and you want to be popular or whatever, it's like do nothing, right? Like don't step outside of the lines. Like don't go too far because you might, you might get criticism. And so I just think that if you feel you're doing the right thing um, and you're doing the right, you're on the right cause, you're, you're trying to make a difference. Um, you know, don't, don't worry about what the haters are saying, you know, it's, uh, the, the news, um, Brene Brown's got a book out and um, she talks about this too. It's like when you get arrows or rocks thrown at you from the cheap seats, it's like, just let them fall at your feet. It's, you know, people who are sitting around, not involved in the conversation, not actively trying to do things as we talk, you know, keyboard warriors, whatever they are. Um, it, you just got to let that stuff go. You just got to um, just not, um, not let it play in your mind too much. You know, I just, uh, a few years ago, I was, um, I was in, inducted into the Hall of Fame at my junior college. So I played basketball outside of Chicago, a place called Moraine Valley. And uh, the coach called me and uh, told me, hey, you know, we're inducting you into the Hall of Fame. And I was like, wow. And I'm like, here's the funny story is I was like, I got to be honest, I didn't think my stats were all that good. <laughs> Just so you know, it's not for your playing. It's because you became a police chief. You well, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I had like a moment. I'm like, really? Hall of Fame? And I realized, oh, it's because I've done okay in my professional life. Because even I was like, uh, I didn't have those kind of stats. To be Hall of Fame. Um, but it's funny. So as I talked with him, it's he's been a mentor. Um, and as far as um, – as we're working through our lives, looking at people who also take the time to award other people things. I, I tell people it's great to have a chest full of ribbons and, and awards. And some of the mentors for me were the people who always wrote those awards for other people. It's like, you know, cause as we've all know, that takes time and it's great to be recognized for good work. Somebody had to put pen to paper and it's an old saying, I guess, or write, you know, write an email or fill out a form actually recognizing somebody else's behavior. So we've started doing some things here in the police department where 
we award people awards for great work. And then we award people who've written those awards. And we said, you know what? Thank you for taking the time to write down what somebody else did, because that's a selfless act. It took your time to basically say that. And those are the people behind the scenes who never get recognized. We always see the person standing up who's getting the award. And so the mentors for me are just so many. And it's usually rather than just being one person, it's usually kind of characteristics. And those characteristics are the people who recognize the person who's struggling a little bit and, and has a conversation. The person that writes an award for somebody else to get that award. It's a person who stands up, has the courage to confront. My One of my biggest things that I have, especially with new supervisors, you got to have the courage to confront because it's easy when something's going bad and you're the one person you're like, Ooh, this isn't right, but I don't want to be that guy that kind of calls it out. There's 10 people around and it's like, man, you got to have the courage to step up and say, that's wrong. Knock it off. Don't do that. Hey, that what you just said is not right. You need to stop it. And that's a hard place to be, especially if you're worried about being liked because that'll, that won't get you invited to a lot of parties sometimes. <laughs> being that guy. But man, I think it's so important to step up. And so mentors to me, and I remember a, a police chief, Chuck Gruber, it was a, big neighborhood meeting, they were mad about something. And he could have easily said, okay, we're going to work on it. And, but what they were mad about, and I don't remember exactly what it was, he basically told them, I'm not going to do anything about that because what you're asking me to do is not in line with our values. Is They wanted you know, something going on with gangs and gang members and, and, and whatever it was. They were kind of almost using some coded language about, you know, it really was, you know, kids of color that they wanted some work done on. And and I just remember him standing up and saying, I'm not, no, we're not doing that. That's not what this is about. We'll be out there. We'll be talking to people. But running up and you know, stopping and frisking kids that are just standing on the street corner, no, that's, that's not what we do. That's not what it is. And so sometimes telling people, even if they're all in one group and they're passionate and they want you to do something, sometimes you have to say, you know what, I'm not doing that. When the easy thing would have been to say, okay, we'll work on that. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to do something. People would have left that they've been heard. And sometimes – People need to be heard and then being told, you know what, that's that's not in line with what I'm all about. So I'm not going to. That takes courage. So I would say multiple people from coaches to police chief, uh, that police chief that I had right there was a big one. Um, and then when I see political leaders who actually, you know, stand up and say what's what's like I said before, you know, looting is always wrong. Hurting someone else is wrong. You saying that my beliefs are more important than your beliefs. I'm trying to shout you down. That's wrong. We all that that's and I don't see enough of that. And so. When I do see it, I kind of really kind of re- it, it, it resonates with me. Like, you know what? Amen. We need more people who aren't worried about being popular. They're worried about doing the right thing. I would agree with that 100%. You know, you know, Chief, I didn't know we were talking to a JUCO Hall of Fame basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, me I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go down that path <laughs> as we conclude our interview. This has been incredible. Uh, it's, it's a shame we ever even have to hang up. Um, this this has been an, yeah. This has been an incredible day. We we might have to have you on for a part two. Um, aside from uh, being inducted into the JUCO Hall of Fame, any other sports, um, whether it's sports participation, sports accolades, you you want to highlight because we we are a sports themed leadership show that goes in all directions, and you know we're honored here to have. Uh, you're the first hall of famer i think on the show (laughs) (laughs) you know uh no i was always a role player and um i was uh you know my coach at that time said something very nice he talked about making me the captain not because i scored the most or made the most assists um but just kind of a coach on the floor 
I really do like making other people better. I like making a difference. I find joy in when I set someone else up for a great shot and make a basket. I find a lot of joy in that type of thing. And so those always don't, you know, especially if they make an extra pass, then you don't get the assist. So it's like, oh, okay, you know, it can't be all about the stats with those things where I just enjoy being part of a team that's doing something good. And so I think that's in policing as well. Because as we're having these conversations, I know we're, we're towards the end, we're, I promise you, the men and women who, who sign on to be police officers do it for the right reasons. Some fall short of expectations. Some obviously go far too far and actually commit crimes. And, and we just need to continue as a society to recognize that we need police officers. We need good professional police officers that are highly trained that are out there that when you call 911, you're going to have someone showing up at your steps that is well-trained, is professional. And so let's continue to make policing better. At the same time, we, we identify who are the people that are bringing us down and, are, and don't rise up to our values and let's get rid of them. Let's fire them. Let's put them in jail, whatever the, the case may be. But let's recognize that it's a tough job where people are out there doing it day in and day out while the rest of us are, many people are sleeping. There are people out there making sure we're safe. And, um, too far the argument is about the few people who are creating an issue. And I'm not saying we don't talk about them because we do. We need to make sure we highlight, you know, being 99% of our officers being professional is not good enough. We need 100% of our officers 100% of the time. And I realize that that's a, a stretch goal that's difficult to get to, but that needs to be the goal. There's not one person in this country and in my community who deserves to be, you know, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am or sir. Well, you got our 1% of our officer that's, you know, a jerk <laughs> who's unprofessional, who's a criminal. That's not good enough. We don't want that 1% out there at all. I don't want him as a police officer. So I think the more conversations we can have that say, you know what, policing is a noble profession and it's a, it's a, it's an amazing profession made up by heroes in my opinion. Um, but we still need to continue to do a better job. You can have both sides of this argument. You can say, I support police and police need to get better. And we shouldn't tolerate police officers who don't you know, rise up to the values that we all expect them to do. You can have both of those arguments at the same time. You can be the biggest supporter of police officers and still say we should be doing better. I think that's, it's not mutually exclusive. And so I think the more we can have conversations like that, I think that's where, um, I think that's where we'll end up on the, on a better side on the other side of this. Well, Chief Sabota, you know, we won't take up any more of your time as much as I would love to talk all day with you. We're going to definitely have to bring you on again sometime, but, um, I want to make it clear to our listeners and, and per, for personal reasons, uh, you know, thank you so much, first of all, for joining us. Thank you so much for all that you do for our community. Thank you for your service. Um, we truly appreciate all that you do. Um, I feel, and I've felt this way for a while, but I've, I feel great, you know, in the, in the town that we live in, in Fort Collins, and um, I feel safe. I feel empowered. Um, I feel equal. I mean, that's, that's the way I feel, and, um, you know, I think it starts, it starts at the top. Any good uh, sports organization knows that, you know, it starts from the top bottom and you are that top guy of your department and it shows um, and I hear it from my peers and um, around the community for the most part that it's 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 a good place to live. Um, and I think it starts with you guys. So uh, I want to personally say thank you so much for all that you do and for your service and and joining us today on on the third and 30 podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I'll come back anytime. Awesome. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Chief. Bye, guys. Thanks again to. Chief Jeff Swoboda for joining us on Third and Thirty Podcast. I think uh, for all of us listening, I think that was a really eye-opening and great experience to be able to talk to someone. And I know, and maybe a lot of our listeners are coaches and have athletic backgrounds, but 
you know, if you're a good coach and a good leader, you understand it all ties in together. Every single leader has to have so similar qualities. You know, the actual work itself is different, but similar qualities in how you run your operation. And, and speaking to a man of his caliber in, 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 a, in his community was really eye-opening to me and, and his, his leadership, Coach Chaddock. And you mentioned it in the pre-show. And the leadership is what really stands out. And what I notice, and there's different types of leaders. You know, there's, there's you know, you can go simple, good and bad leaders. But then the good leaders is a whole group of type of leaders that there are. And the, and the one I'd kind of characterize him as, and I, I would hope he agreed with it, was he is a servant leader. And, there's, and, it's, and it's an important term that people realize because it almost sounds like a hyperbole, or not a hyperbole, but an oxymoron, a servant leader. Like, I'm in charge. You know, how, how, why am I supposed to be a leader when I'm, you know, how am I supposed to be a servant when I'm in charge? But the, the philosophy behind servant leadership is the idea that the leader is there to serve its people, its group, its organization, its company. Whatever, whatever it is, puts the needs of the employees, the subordinates, the, the hard workers, the colleagues first. You know, help, help the people develop, help them train, help them grow to become the best they can possibly be and put them in the right, give them the right opportunities to strive. And I think, you know, I found a quote here um, and you know, the founder of servant leadership is a guy named Robert Greenleaf, but he said the servant leader should be focused on, quote, do those served grow, do those serve, I'm sorry, quote, do, 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 do those served grow as persons? Do they, do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants? And I think that's important as a leader is, when you're a leader, your job is also almost to prepare the next person to take your job when you move on. You know, right? We're always trying to grow. We're always trying to get better. We're always trying to get promotions. We're always trying to get more. Well, if that's the case, well, what are we doing as leaders or as, you know, in some way you're a leader. You might not be the leader, but in some way someone's looking up to you. How are you setting them up for success if when you leave that spot open, vacant, that it's it's not a good person. They don't know what the heck they're doing when they step into that role. And I think Chief Sobota does a fantastic job focusing on his employees, focusing on his community, and serving them first. And understanding, you know, what stood out to me was he talked about the, the feelings idea and that, you know what, you can't judge someone on their feelings. And throwing stats at someone when they're talking about their feelings doesn't make sense. You really have to understand that even if it's a completely different feeling that you have no idea what it means, you've honestly, you know, you might even disagree with it. It's important to just understand and learn and then move on. You, you know, no one needs to push. The idea of debate has getting lost in, in translation. You know, there's no longer any debate, the proper way to debate anymore. It's just attack, attack, attack. That's not how Chief Swoboda does things. And I think it's because he's a servant leader. He looks at the people first. He told a story about a woman asking him tons of questions about how things work. And she was so appalled the fact that she could get answers because she doesn't know who else she could go to. And she got the top guy, <laughs> the chief of police, to answer her questions. And she felt good about it. And that's servant leadership. 
stepping out there in the middle of chaos when honestly most people see you wear a badge, see you wear a uniform, and might have a bad taste immediately in their mouth. They see the car, they see the lights, immediately bad taste in their mouth. But he steps in front of the chaos and it's it's uh it really means a lot to me to have a leader like that in our town and our community. It starts at the top, so it affects how we act. When we see our leaders doing those things, it motivates us to continue and to try and strive to those kinds of goals. So, you know, his servant leadership and his mentality behind that is amazing. And it really stood out to me. And just, you know, I want to thank him again for, for joining us on the show because it was really, a, you know, one of my favorites, our sixth guest on the show. And it's just, you know, it, they, it just keeps, we keep learning more and more and more. And to have someone in a non-sports coaching role, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. Don't get me wrong. He, yeah. He's Hall a Hall of, of Fame. He's a, he's, a, he's a Hall of Famer in the basketball world, so don't get it twisted. But he works in law enforcement as a leader for his community. I think it shows us coaches and those that work in sports um, that we can take a lot about what Chief Sabota does in his in his uh, field as leaders and, and translate that to our world, um, especially as coaches. Coach, what, what stood out to you if uh, maybe more thoughts on servant leadership, but also what stood out to you about our conversation with Chief Swoboda? I'll tell you what. I didn't want to hang up. That's the first thing that stood out to me. No kidding. I, I, I didn't want to hang up. I, I wish we could have just spent another hour on the, uh, on the call because I felt I was learning and I felt I was uh, obviously we're participants in this. So we feel it's interactive. However, chief Swoboda made it interactive because he enjoys the two way communication. And, you know, I want to highlight uh, servant leadership and I want to highlight it backwards first. So what we learned at the end of the conversation was about him being a Hall of Famer, the the you know being inducted into the, the to the Junior College Hall of Fame, and you know he highlighted it was more it was more for his his feats there off the court versus on the court. <laughs> However, what stood I out don't buy me, it, Coach. <laughs> I don't buy it either. I bet he was a heck of an athlete, and I want to highlight what stood out to me because we had already listened to the stories, we had already heard about his experience, we we already had servant leadership in our mind. However, what he highlighted with us from the basketball court, from his athletic experience, and make no mistake about it, people, athletic experiences help train us for life. It's not about winning on the court that day. It's about winning in life. And you see what was most meaningful to him was getting his teammates involved, getting an assist. How do I help my teammate get open and get in scoring position to make a basket that helps our team? And he was highlighting some of those experiences. That servant leadership was evident long before he stepped into law enforcement. Mm -hmm. That servant leadership was was a dedicated piece for him when he was in junior college and playing basketball as he went through his collegiate career. And <clears throat> I want to highlight sports creates a platform for us as coaches and us as student athletes, all levels, to become winners in life. So now you take what he learned on the basketball court, what he learned about being a teammate. Now you transfer that to life. And now you're talking about the chief of police of the city of Fort Collins, formerly chief of police, city of Elgin in Illinois. And now you're talking about someone who learned servant leadership in the world of sports. 
in the world of academics, transfers that to his work life, gets promotions, becomes the leader. And that really stands out to me because when he was talking about servicing the city of Fort Collins, he's talking about, yeah, I'm mad at what happened too. Mm -hmm. People highlighting him, they're mad about what happened in Minneapolis. He says, I'm mad too. That shouldn't have happened like that. And I like that he said that. I like that he calls it out. I'm mad too. He's showing we can be from two different sides, be mad about the same topic, and come together as a community to make a difference. And I, I, I want to tell you something that I didn't know that takes amazing servant leadership to be able to stand out there and take that ownership to say, yeah, I'm mad too. Because that wasn't right. Regardless of what went on, the extent of it wasn't right. And he highlighted um, learning more and more about these different situations, being able to talk with the community, being able to stand up with protesters in regards to creating equality, stand up with protesters in regards to um, backing the blue, and being able to stand up and serve a team and show show them that it's okay. And I watched I watched Chief Soboda one time just get peppered with questions at city council when the the incidents in Minneapolis were were you know fresher on on everyone's minds when they had just taken place. I watched him just get peppered with questions and I thought it was amazing the the poise and dignity that he stood with and highlighted then in that moment that he was upset with what happened there too and how he works with a team here to make it different in Fort Collins. I was not aware that we, that Fort Collins had banned chokeholds. So that was an interesting uh, piece to learn. Right. Uh, and then, and then, you know, coach P what I want to go to next is not, I, I don't want to just highlight the servant leadership because servant leadership is fantastic. It really is. And the next important piece to that servant leadership I want to highlight that I really learned. I talked about it with him. I highlighted it with chief is courage. Servant leadership is one aspect of it. Now to be a strong leader, look at how many politicians are just hiding behind what they think is right. Or how many leaders are hiding behind, Oh, you know, we're going to, we're going to say this is right because this is, this is the way Twitter is flipping this day. Twitter feels this is what's right today. It takes a lot of courage to stand up and say, these are our beliefs. These are our principles. This is, this is the value impact that we have to a community. And I and my team, we together, because it's a we, we have these values, these principles, these philosophies, and we wish to serve the community in this way. So we're going to have the courage to stand up in the face of this adversity that we have currently. We together united as as a police force as a city and as a community of, of individual members who are all looking for equality we're going to stand up together and we're going to have the courage to talk we're going to have the courage to highlight the things that we don't like and to and then to ask questions about what are we doing how do we do this how does our police force respond to a situation in, in similarly to what took place in Minneapolis? How would we prevent that from happening? And he has the answers. Mm -hmm. He has the courage to stand up and say, Hey, in our community, we don't do, we don't do chokeholds. 
in our community, here is how we're trained to handle the situation. And we have other officers present to help us with these situations as to prevent an incident such as what took place. Because we care about our people and we believe in handling it in this way. And I just, I just feel that is amazing. And, and I loved how he had the courage to stand up and say, you know, 99% in my eyes isn't good enough. We want to be 100% quality people. 100% quality people. And I really appreciate him saying that because you and I both know 100% is. I, I can't say it's possible to get to 100%. And Chief stands behind his words and says, I'm not resting till we get to 100%. And, and I, I admire that. Um, stand-up guy, courage, servant leadership is what stood out to me. Coach P, what do you think about that? It's not easy to be the one guy in the room that doesn't agree with everyone. And even if you're the one guy that you know has the right thing to say, or even if it's you're trying to do right, it's not easy. You know, the bad sometimes, you know, for, no pun intended, trumps the good. You know, like it's 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 a tough sometimes. Like I said, debate team has gone through the window. It's attack, attack, attack. And if you're not, you know, and, and I have the problem with confrontation. He says, you know, you have to be able to confront as a leader. And uh, and even I, you know, even I, as I tr continue to grow as one, I still struggle with that. And it is hard. And I can say that from experience. But he's able to sit in a room. And he talked about a, a, the chief of police, I think, where he was from. About he said, you know what, we're not going to do it that way. And even though all of you think it's supposed to be this way, well, that's not the way we do things, and we're not going to do it that way. Instead of just giving an answer that they want to hear, maybe nothing happens, and just keep like you know blanket statements for forever and ever and ever. What Chief Sabota has is one hundred percent courage, and and it's it's not something I don't think he he necessarily had to practice that much. As in, I'm saying he just he was born with it. Like he he that is who he is as as part of his anatomy and his DNA to be a courageous person. And that's why he's in the role that he is. It's not easy being a, being a police officer, let alone being the chief of police. I mean, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult to stand in front and to be, to bring two sides together that are, do not really want to be together right now is, is very courageous. It's impactful. And it is why I'm proud to be a part of this community. And I know you enjoyed being a part of this community when you were here, coach. And it was, it was just, and part of it is that reason you, you had the ability to work with him and your experiences with him stood out to you. And that's what, what, that's what drove you to say, Hey, let's get him on the show. And yeah, and, sh and sure enough, look how open of a guy he is. We're a brand new podcast, people. You know this. And he was willing to come on and to speak on. He thinks it's just as important as we do <laughs> to get someone like that on. He's like, no, I'm so glad. He was happy that he that we asked him to come on the show because it's important that you you know you listeners and even for me and Coach Chaddock here to to listen, learn, understand, and and adapt and and grow. Um. Courageous is a great word to use, and I'm just super grateful to have Coach Roboto on. We would love to have him on again um, at some point and just to talk more um, about this idea. And I know he would probably probably be super excited to do so. But uh, thank you again to Chief Roboto, uh for, for joining 3rd and 30 Podcast. And, you know, this just encourages us and motivates us to do more and more and more. And, and we're going to continue as you know coach 
has his football season coming up. We're not going to stop. And, you know, as, as uh, we have more guests lined up and we're super excited to bring him on. And it's only going to keep getting better as it has for the past uh, few months here. So, uh, you know, thank you to the supporters for listening to us. But uh, Coach Chaddock, any final thoughts from you? Um, I, I think you echoed it great. I'm excited for the future of this show and what we can bring to people. We have we have a dynamite lineup squared away for this second quarter. The show's going to go on, guys. And, you know, thank goodness for technology. If, if COVID doesn't hit, if we don't all start working from home, I don't know that we figure out to do this all through Zoom. It's so true. And and maybe we need to hit up Zoom for a sponsorship. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey representatives at Zoom, hit us up. Um, we need to get connected. We need to talk sponsorship here. We're, <laughs> we're, we're fine to get you guys on the show, too, and talk about how you've, you've set the new trend for how we're going to do I'm sure it's been media. a whirlwind. You know, real quick, <laughs> I think it's been a whirlwind for them, and I think they had to step up and adapt and, and figure out what the heck they're going to do because, I mean, Zoom's been around for a minute, but they have not gotten yeah. this much traffic, I'm sure, in quite a few years. So I'm sure they have their own so, leadership struggles to go through, and I'm sure they had to strive through it. Yeah. So, hey, listeners, you know anyone at Zoom? Hit us up. Get us connected. <laughs> tell tell them to hit us up on social media. DM us. Hit hit us up any any way they can. Let's get connected with Zoom. Let let's talk through this because I think I think the listeners would love to hear what are the trials and tribulations Zoom has had to go through. Because I know there was incidents before where people were. Uh, video bombing and dropping into live meetings. Yeah, and hacking stuff into like live that. meetings, doing some hacking weird in. stuff. Yeah. So let's talk about leadership, guys. Hit us up, Third and Thirty Podcast. <laughs> we want to talk to other leaders out there. And if you, hey, listeners, if you have anybody that that you you feel, hey, this person or or this group has been beneficial to me, hit us up on that. Hit us up on social media, or or you know, some of you that know us, hit us up through text or whatever, email, and. Let us know. Hey, we'd like to we'd like to have your listeners get information from this leader because they've been inspirational in our life. We're open to anybody. Um, send send them our way. We'll certainly screen screen potential uh, uh, people to come on the show. I'm excited, Coach P. Big week coming up next week, and uh, we're just going to keep driving on this podcast. Always driving, like Coach said. If you have anyone that you think would be have good insight and good uh you know just a good leader please please don't hesitate to let us know we'd love to showcase them and and pick their brain um a little bit but um you know again thank you to coach chief swoboda um really honored to have you on it was a privilege can't wait for the uh, next next guest to come on we will give you in touch apologies for the lack of social media um we will try and do a better job of that if you're missing us on there but um times are a little busy but we want to make sure we're doing the most important thing and that's getting a show out when we say we're going to do that so we're going to continue to do that number one um but we will you will see us uh, a little more presence on social media here soon um coach good luck to you this week go go get them uh hit hard play hard run around like a bunch of crazy people don't hold anything back and uh uh, look forward to talking to you soon and for coach jason chaddock i am coach praveen monch and this is the third and 30 podcast